Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Retro Anime Podcast with your hosts Ian and Lewis. Hello Lewis, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm snowed up to my ankles but I'm fantastic. Yeah, so the UK at the moment is uh, suffering from the beast from the east and we're all struggling with unexpected snow and (laughs) the roads are all blocked and schools are closed and everything. So uh... And over in Dublin we're suffering from the hysteria from Siberia (laughs) and... um... (laughs) And it is uh, Baltic out there. Uh, oh, across the country, things are at a standstill. Yeah, it has caused chaos in the UK. It really has. We're not we're not mm. geared up for snow at all. So, no. So today's podcast, we're going to look at two ninja-based anime that are set in the same period. These both uh, these anime have got a lot of common similarities. They're both from renowned directors. They're both set in the Edo period of Japan. They have other similar elements, uh, like a sort of lone shinobi, some sort of mythical blade, and and some sort of quest for revenge. So both of these anime, uh, the the Dagger of Kamui and Sword for Truth, are kind of have, you know they're the same sort of style. They're the same sort of thing, but mm, done. There's different, one key difference. But with one uh, one key difference, one is terrible. And one is good. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So it's interesting what you can do with a similar setting or a similar scope and similar sort of base elements and how yeah, you how themes. you get two very, very different executions. Talking of executions, whoever uh, we'll get into whoever created this debauchery, but uh, there should be executions. <laughs> so both of these, Dagger of Kamui was directed by uh, Rintaro and... Sword for Truth by Osamu Dezaki. Have you are you familiar with these directors, Lewis? Going uh, in before we watch all. these, apart from maybe Moomin TV yeah. from uh, Rintaro, but no, otherwise I'm unfamiliar. So I saw both of these probably over ten years ago. So I always remember there was a lot of stuff about the Dagger of Kamui, and probably in the mid two thousands I bought the Animago DVD and and yeah, Sword for Truth um, when. Manga Entertainment churned out the collection. You know, a lot of their sort of stock, cheapo, basic licenses, and they they were knocking them out for about five or six quid on DVD. I bought mm. this and a few others. So, um, so yeah, I've had that kind of background to it. Dezaki came to my attention. I remember reading an article about him, probably in the very very early 2000s, because he has a an older brother, Satoshi Dezaki, who's another quite prolific director. And that was the first thing that brought him to my attention. So Rintaro, I became aware of in the early 2000s when Metropolis came out. I remember reading an article about it in some magazine and then seeing Metropolis in Blockbuster on DVD. Um, And I always remember that article uh, referred to the Dagger of Kamui. So, yeah, from there, that's how I... um, got into Rintaro really and became aware of his work. Okay, so uh, let's get into our reviews then. Mmm, the Dagger of Kamui.
our first review today, The Dagger of Kamui. This is a 1985 movie directed by Rintaro, who also has done quite a bit of other stuff that people in the West would have heard, heard of. The Galaxy Express 3-9 movies, Metropolis, um, the X movies, Moomin TV, as you said, and it was produced by Madhouse. It's based on a novel series by Tetsu Yano, and ran, which ran from 1984 to 1985. It was never released in the UK, but the US DVD by Animego is still available. Brief synopsis of the Dag of Kamui, taken from Anime News Network. Set in the Bakamats period, uh, the final years of the Edo period before the Reiji restoration in Japan, a young boy named Jiro finds his mother and sister murdered in his home. Falsely accused of the crime, he flees from his village and meets a priest named Tenkai, who has him kill a rogue ninja named Teruza. After filling that task, Jiro undergoes training to become a master assassin. Many years later, Jiro finds out that he was an orphan and his real father was Teruza who had worked for Tenkai until he aborted his mission and fell in love with an Ainu woman. The young ninja discovers that the Shogunite was to retrieve the lost treasure of Captain Kid and use it to once again isolate Japan from the rest of the world. Using the clues that Teruza had kept secret, Jiro, along with the female ninja Oyuki and a slave named Sam, travels to Russia and America in search of the treasure in hopes of using it to exact revenge from Tenkai. So, Lewis, what did you think mm-hmm. of the dagger from Yui? I quite enjoyed it. There are bits. It's very up and down. Um, mm, yeah. Uh, I I like. I I just find it funny between many of the main story parts because it's a long running movie, very yeah. long running movie. Between the main story hikes where it's like, oh, action, action, action. It's like uh, there's there's a rest in the action where they're reflecting on what's just happened. You know, there's they, there's a burial or there's yeah. a, a staring off into burning houses or there's something, you know, some aftermath where Jiro is just, you know, cautiously and uh, very complacently looking out over a horizon yeah. um, before someone asks, what now? And he just goes, we run. <laughs> and, then <it's, laughs> and then it's montage sequence of them traveling across Japan the time and time again. And it's nonstop. And it's thoroughly enjoyable, I have to say, because there's like the music. I think the best one is the second to last montage sequence where they're running. Um, yeah. When they ask him, what now? And he goes to Edo. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's just like, Shaw-fata! <laughs> between them all running as this, as yeah, they're all, they're all at that angle, aren't they? Yeah, they're all like leaning sideways, leaning sideways. Doing, yeah, that's just quite pelting it across the land. Yeah, I reaching, thought that was yeah. Oh, you see that? See, it's a film. 160 kilometers an hour. <laughs> you know, it's a film I like. You know, oh, I do yeah. really like the Dagger of Kamui. I've seen it quite a few times since I bought the DVD. I do enjoy it. At the end of the day, it's you know, it's one of those old-fashioned adventure films. You know, it's a real epic as well, isn't it? I mean, it's you know, it's a massive story to it. You know, I yeah. quite like because I quite like the fact that it it's set against that historical setting. You know, because there's a lot of real-world events that happen in the background, and you know, Jiro's journey happens against that background and that change in time in Japan's history, um, and it provide provides, I think, quite a lot of good context to the story yeah but yeah at the same time as you say it is a long film it's two and a quarter hours um and at times it really does it has a load of action and a load of energy 
and then it kind of just goes a bit ponderous and talks yeah. and nothing happens fizzle. for 10 minutes fizzle or 15 minutes and then mm. you have a spurge of energy and then nothing happens again you know and yeah my biggest criticism of it as a film is that you know as much as i mm. like it and i do really like it times it really does just feel a, it, it slows down too much it takes a bit too much energy out of the film i think yeah well it's it's it's, it's, it's a recurring thing with the, a lot of the uh good animes that we've reviewed is their pacing issue yeah with the with the level and detail of story they want to tell yeah it's it's very much a like how do we cram everything we want them to know yeah. and everything that we want them to experience into a reasonable watch time yeah, um, it's interesting and, you say that because yeah. when I rewatched this the first time for this review, I did end up reflecting on some of the films that we've reviewed on this podcast. So if you look at stuff like, and especially that same sort of period in the mid '80s, if you look at stuff like Odin, Arion, you know some of those real epics, you know yeah. Odin suffered the same problem. You know, it yeah. a load of action and then it talked for 10 minutes had a load of action talked for 10 minutes arian got it right i think arian had the right pacing um, yeah but this film is that uh, you're right it does seem to be a bit of a sort of trait of that storytelling or film writing of that time is that these these yeah. real epics and they are real epics and they're really long but yeah they're just there's too I, much I think pondering it, in it i think it transcends the the anime industry of that time as well because it still suffers from it greatly it, mm. like uh, Japanese storytelling really does suffer from it because if you look at uh, Final Fantasy games, they have that exact problem and they've had that exact problem throughout their entire life right. cycle. Even the latest one, Final Fantasy 15, suffers from the exact same issues where it's just you've got major hikes in the story, uh, huge plot points, and then it drops dead and yeah. nothing happens and it's very slow and you lose a lot of that gravity of the situation because you're left there to pick up the pieces yourself or it's it just a lot of Japanese produced storytelling, which when they want to tell grand epics, they just really suffer from the pacing issues. But yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's at the end of the day, it does, I think have a really great story. Oh yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's broken into four sort of main arcs. You've, you've got Jiro meeting Tenkai and training as a Shinobi and you get that whole training bit and, and through that time, he goes from quite a young boy to sort of a young adult. Yeah. And then you get his journey across Japan um, and Russia to get to America. And then you have his travels through America and then finding Captain Kid's treasure. And then that final bit, he's back in Japan fighting Tenkai. You know, it kind of quite neatly breaks into those sort of four arcs. And I think it does a lot. I think early on in the film, I think it does a lot of things really well the kind of training bit at the beginning, his initial story and the use of flashbacks in that first arc to explain all the backstory, I think it's done quite well. Like a lot of these films, I think it's got quite a good opening scene where the uh, shinobi kills his mother and sister and then he's chased out of the village. Because, um, you know, well, I'll say yeah. it now, this film has absolutely fantastic music. It does. The The, the sound design is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely I mean, incredible. I mean, the sound, yeah, and it's not just that, it's the effects. The whole music and sound is absolutely fantastic in yeah. this film. 
Um, and the way the music and the sound effects and everything work in that opening yeah. sort of five, six, seven minutes is oh, it's just absolutely fantastic. It's 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 very very good because there's one thing even when it slowed down. Um, there's one thing that every scene had that made me that I was thinking about in every scene is is the the way the sound design. Um, a lot of it is used is created using vocal sound samples. Um, over you know more traditional instrumental yeah, stuff yeah. for the for the fight scenes and stuff like that to make it more visceral. Yeah. Um, which is really 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 impactful because it makes it a lot more eerie and a lot more unsettling like watching the fight scenes uh, and suspenseful yeah um and all also while really adding that extra uh what, what's the word i'm looking for the extra gusto to the scene yeah. where it's it's jiro contemplating you know everything that's happened there's there's real chosen brevity where it needs to be yeah. and then there's absolute helpful leather sound design in and it, it's unsettling to watch and it's but it's actually very well constructed yeah yeah i think that's and that and it's consistent and it does that all the way through the film right up until the very end it has really really good sound all the way through mm. and you know and it's one of the film's um strong points and you know while we're talking about production you know the animation as well I think is mm. absolutely fantastic. You know, a load of really talented people put a lot of effort into into this film. Yeah, I think my favourite scene that re- or scenes that really illustrate the animation quality is when he first comes face to face and is obstructed in his path by Oyuki. Yeah. Uh, when she like yeah. pulls out and he's still under some, um, I think, influence of some narcotic that he might have taken yeah. and the whole uh, flowers glow and leave her dress. Yeah, all the butterflies, yeah. Yeah, all the butterflies and it sort of like plays into her, yeah. you know, shinobi, shinobi abilities to yeah. um, mirror image herself and displace herself. That's incredible. Yeah, Very that well scene, because it's... Because uh, yeah, I think on. it's... Um, for a 1985 film, I still think it... There's quite an old-fashioned look to it, I think. And, you know, it kind of looks like a film that could have been made more from the early 70s or late 60s um yeah, some of the yeah. way it's... you'd know that more than me I, I i definitely just see it as like once it reaches a certain threshold of like this is old anime i'm like <laughs> yeah this is old anime there's only there's only two types of old anime for me there's there's original gundam and then there's that sort of stuff so um yeah i think you know i think it i don't know it looks quite old-fashioned to me i think it looks some more like something from the early 70s and the mid 80s but yeah, um, and scenes like where Jiro and his mum are drugged and you see the hallucinations, you know, that really sort of really trippy bit um, and the spirit mists when um, Jiro's at his mum's grave, things like that, when um, Jiro confronts uh, Shingo and you get all the sort of leaves floating around there, things like all the glints from the blades, you know, the glint of light that you keep seeing, yeah. flashing off blades, things like that reflections yeah. in eyes as you said the fight with um Oyuki and her phantom images and all the butterflies and things like just the waves in the sea you know all the fluidity and detail that go into that it's all yeah. incredible i mean it's this film is 10 out of 10 for animation i mean it's just absolutely animation st- and sound design stunning is, is to look at it really yeah stunning and unbelievable it's stunning to look and listen to um it really really is so we've 
kind of made some criticisms of the story that it's a bit pondering, but that is the, the probably the biggest flaw with the film is is some of that pacing. But the good stuff in it, I think, is really really good. Yeah, the good stuff is very good stuff, and the bad stuff is more like oh, I've really let down because the good stuff is so good. Yeah. Yeah, and that is a problem. Because the actual story itself, there's lots of really interesting bits. You know, there's always something kind of happening. It moves, you know, the way it moves on one thing to the next. It carries it on for such a long film. You know, it's always moving on, solving the next bit of the puzzle or speaking to the next bit or getting over the next trepidation. You know, it has a proper, like, mystery element to it. You know, the story with um, Jiro, Oyuki and Sam heading off to America, you know, has a really, really good sense of um, mystery to it. It's, you know, it's got a bit of everything to it as well. It's a coming of age story. You know, there's an epic journey to find this elusive buried treasure. You know, it's got a revenge plot in it. So it's got all those elements in it that are um, really, really good. And going back to the historical setting, you know, at this time was when the merchant ships were crossing the Pacific and reaching Japan um, or coming around, you know, Southeast Asia. So you have that bit, I think, you know, it has a really interesting depiction of East meets West. The bit mm. where um, Jiro is shown the Atlas, you know, and there's that kind of awe where he realises that there's this bigger world beyond the land that he lived in. Yeah. You know, I think that bit's, I think that's really interesting. And yeah, then, meeting him is a really cool little sequence, actually. Really cool little sequence that drives it forward very well. Yeah, because Andy's quite an interesting character. You know, he's a bit slobby. I like, you know, I like the way they showed him picking his nose and playing with a sake bottle. It, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's great little detail in it, in it like that. Yeah. And when um, Jiro's in America, you know, you get this real stranger in a strange land bit. You know, that mm. sequence when he's, especially when he sort of leaves Ayuki and Sam and he's on his own. Yeah. You see all the um the, the steam trains and he meets the Indians. You know, it's a real, you know, I think I think that's really really well portrayed. It's really well detailed and you know it's it's some really good storytelling in it. Yeah, it does. It it makes it it's like a, it feels like an authentic foreign experience. Yeah. Sort of. uh, they've constructed it very well. Yeah. Uh, but I think every scene is well thought out. It's yeah. It's well thought out and planned. It's just because they because it's so well planned that's i think they suffer from you know if you if you love it cut it and then they don't yeah that, that's that <laughs> as the issue of like that's one of the key rules is like if you love it cut it because the chances are it's going to make your scene too long yeah and they put a lot of love into every scene and the scenes are just too long yeah uh, and as a, as a viewer you're like yeah wow real neat and all but bring me back into the world please because that bit you mentioned at, towards the end where they're all running and there's him and the other guy and the sort of six ninjas behind him all running. That goes on for about a minute and a half. It is a minute and a half. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know? but it's, like, it's got, because they love it. They're like, oh, but we've got this whole vocal piece constructed. It's very visceral. It's very, <laughs> it, the music is just, yeah. and, and it's like, they're like, they, they've recorded this whole thing. They're like, well, it's too good to cut. Yeah. <laughs> it's too and good it's too to good cut, to cut short. Look at look how much effort went into blending them in and the legs running and everything. Yeah. You know, it's like... I think you, they could have fit in every scene and chopped 30 seconds off of each scene that lasted too long and they would have a perfect length movie. Yeah, yeah. And it would be almost faultless. Uh, but, you know, 
those extra 30 seconds into every last little bit of, of love they put in does make it drag on. And it's the only real thing that is of detriment to the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, it is the one thing that spoils it. Because I think the characterization in the film is really good as well. I think Jiro's quite an interesting, you know, this sort of lone, you know, lonely bloke. He's a foundling. And the way he's shown to have been kind of teased and untrusted as being a foundling is really good. Yeah. Um, Ayuki's an interesting character. Sam, you know, the betrayal of slavery. People like Ando that we've just talked about. Um, mm. Tenkai, Shingo. They're all really good characters and really yeah. well developed. Yeah, you know, I think are. that, you know, that's one of the film's real strengths. You know, that really, really good characterization. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And then and one of the other um, strong points in the film, I think, is um, is definitely the fight scenes. Uh, you know, they're so well choreographed, you mm. know, really well detailed, loads and you know, loads of movement, you know, really interesting, like use of background color and and stuff as well. Uh, you know, it's just it, it's just awesome to look at. Yeah, it is incredible. Um, the what was one scene that really sticks out to me? The towards the end where it's overlooking the 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 build up to the final fight, uh, the glints in the his wolf you know pet's eyes yeah as it's yeah. you know it's it's very it's, it's animated very human that wolf yeah uh, it's almost like a spirit animal sort of thing <laughs> uh, but the the actual part where it's, he's on the hill uh, or the mountainside overlooking the um, Overlooking the sea and the bombardment that's coming from yeah, the ships. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the delay from the flash of the cannon muzzle to the, you know the, where it hits. Yeah. In the in the actual town itself, it adds. There's a lot of weight to it. Yeah. Uh, so like you know you, it does feel very. The gravity of the situation comes across very well. Yeah. And it's a nice it's a nice scene setting sequence for, uh, that final fight build up. Yeah. Uh, but again, I think it lasts us just a little bit too long. Yeah. It's, that's, that's just, but it is a recurring thing that you can't, like, I don't think you should go into it and watch it and think, ah, oh, this is going to last a long time because it is, it's one of those things you have to strap into. Yeah. And you, you have to have snacks ready, a drink ready, and you're going to have to, <laughs> uh, it, it's okay if you zone out a few times because the chances are when you're zoning out, you're zoning out at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you'll be, you will be pulled back into the story at the right time and you don't feel like you've missed out on much. It yeah, is one of those yeah. things that just, it does sometimes hobble along. But overall, I think a, a fantastic. Yeah, because the other thing as well, visually, the the fight with the Matsume Free. Yes. A really good sequence. It's genuinely creepy, and it's just beautifully choreographed again, and all the detail in in the background and the character movements, fantastic. You know, it just yes. it's another it's a one, another thing that I can reel off as how visually stunning this this film is. Yeah. But having said that, I... there's one little misstep in the animation, I think, and I think it's What's the that? bit where Jiro gets to Osaka. And you get these odd character. Um, all the crowds are like funny blocks of colour. Oh, you get the, the the pan frames where they just take stills and they move them across. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. the film that is so visually, you know, arresting. You get that, and it's just it's. I don't know whether they were just shortcutting something. I don't know, or being a bit experimental for the time. But oh, it kind of it's a bit weird. Yeah, the titles, the titles, and the the headers for explaining or giving context for certain things, they change up a lot as well. Yeah. And it's it's hard to tell if you're watching, sometimes watching some of the same stuff, 
because uh, when when he when he first reaches Osaka, that's when the title cards change and they become um, almost like dagger in shape straight down the yeah. middle. And the other times, for context, they appear as block text. Yeah. Uh, in the center of the screen. So I, I'm, I'm unsure, like you know, if, if it's meant to, you know, initiate. This is a different era now. We're, we're like another two years down the line because you do move. Yeah. It does move through, you know, a hefty time period. Yeah, it does. It really does. Yeah. There's a lot of years that it covers in the film. Yeah, um, it does. And then for me, as well, some of the other things that I would criticize the film for. Some of this is part of goes down to its length. The bit when they find Captain Kidd's treasure, you know, that's an hour and three quarters into the film, and then it still has another half an hour, because that point feels like a natural end to the film. Yeah. You know, but then it's yeah. got another half an hour to go. Mm, it's very odd, isn't it? It does feel like it's... Like, when I watched that end of that sequence, I was like, blimey, it's like Treasure Planet. <laughs> I feel like we've we've stepped away from it all and we've just covered the plot line of the Treasure Planet. Yeah. Now we're going to go back to Japan, yeah. the <laughs> land of eternal sun, and now trash. Because <laughs> uh, then you get yeah, because then you get all that story again, and Jiro hiring the Shinobi mm. to defeat Tenkai and and all the rest of it. Well, it, it tries to speed itself up because after after that there is a a, a a high increase in title cards and context yeah. t- uh, yeah. text that appears on the screen. So they're, they're like, ah, oh, speed this along, speed this along. Yeah. Uh, here's, here's, we're now in Edo. The year is X. You know, there's been fighting <laughs> for two years, but it's ended, and now we're here. Yeah. Um. So it kind of speeds itself along. It's like, okay, we've done Treasure Planet. Now to move on to um, <laughs> the big old. Remember that big old thing two and a half hours ago that Tenkai is a bastard. That's yeah. let's move on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Because then, unfortunately for me, I think it comes to a fairly anticlimactic fight with Tenkai. Beautifully choreographed, yeah. but I don't know. It, it, by, by that point, so much good stuff and epic action scenes and mm. epic journeys across the world and discovering this and finding this clue and meeting this person that when he finally defeats Tenkai, I, I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't care really. Yeah, it's um, like, oh, he's got enough money to be rich and retire. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of it is a weird. I know what you mean. It yeah, is a weird climax. It, it kind of that. It's I don't know. It's a bit of a weak ending. And I think they were having had so much in the film and crammed so much in the film up to that point. I think it was always going to be difficult to to mm. end on a really really big note. Yeah. Well, if you think about it this way, the first uh, two, I, may, I think, major arcs in the early film. Yeah. You could easily be watching a completely separate film because as soon as it becomes the treasure hunt thing. Uh, and the solving the mystery, yeah. Uh, it it kind of loses. It, yeah, the underlying thing is like we need to take this money back so we can fund this fight against Tenkai yeah. and Shogunate. It loses that whole initial five ten minutes of the film where Tenkai uses uh, Jiro to kill his own father. Yeah, and like that 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 real huge character drive for him eventually finding that out that he has killed his own father yeah um and that you know uh oyuki uh is actually his uh step what well, it's actually his sister and his half sister oh his half sister yeah um that those two things that they could be very much it could very much be a story of revenge but then it becomes a story of of the salvation of japan yeah to ultimately seek his revenge and it loses i think a lot of the whole the break in the action between him and tenkai and it's just a bit of chase between him yeah. and his men it loses sight of that whole um 
contest between Tenkai and, and Jiro. Yeah. Because you lose a little yeah, grip on that. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of forget that that rivalry is there. Yeah, until that's right. Like, oh, yeah, we're back in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's pretty much all my, my thoughts on it. Uh, quite interestingly, you know, if you look around the internet, it generally gets a kind of six, seven-ish out of yeah. ten. I think it's I think it's generally reviewed as a sort of above-average sort of film. Um, I was looking at various sites that, that, that scored it, and it seemed to be quite consistent in its average score. You know, I'd say it was that sort of six, seven mark. The other thing I will say before we get on to our final scores, um, the DVD transfer on this, I think, is very average. It's not a great... It's not a great transfer, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And with Animago's kickstarters of, you know, Blu-ray releases of their back catalogue, uh, you know, they've they've said they're doing two. They've said the the bonus one is Gunsmith Cats, and they haven't announced what the uh, what the next sort of proper Kickstarter is as such. And you know, I'd love I'd love them to do a Kickstarter of the Dagger Camille. It would look so good in HD. It really, really would. It would it 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 so deserves. A Blu-ray release, it really does. It does, yeah, yeah. For, especially for such a well put together piece of film. Yeah, you know, there was so much effort went into it. It's um, yeah, it truly deserves it. Yeah. So final scores, final rating. Um, I'd give it a seven out of ten. Yeah, yeah, I give it an eight out of ten. I've seen it quite a few times. I really enjoy it. It's over long, a bit slow in places, yeah. and the ending isn't great. You know, I think if as you said, if they took those 30 seconds out of each of those scenes that are outstay their welcome a bit too much, got it down to about the two-hour mark, I think it would be a, a cracking film. Yeah, and I'd say go back and watch your favourite scenes and really pay attention to the the way the sound is very human. Uh, they use a lot of like the vocal voice to add viscera to the the gore and the um, and the eeriness of the scenes. Yeah, that's uh, one of my favourite points about the, the film in general. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, 7 out of 10. Good film! (laughs) Our next review is Sword for Truth. Sword for Truth is a 1991 shot OVA directed by Osamu Dezaki and produced by Ginga Production and released by Toei. It was based on a series of novels by Takashi Narumi. Uh, it's easily available on DVD for Manga Entertainment. Tazaki, another director with a lot of prolific releases, including stuff like Ashita Nojo, Space Adventure Cobra, various looping specials. He's got an enormous um, back catalogue. Him and his older brother, uh, Satoshi Tazaki, you know, very, very prolific directors um, with a lot of stuff that people, you know, they've directed a lot of stuff that people would have heard of. Um, it's all for truth. A brief synopsis, again taken from Anime News Network. Uh, Sakaki is a masterless samurai with a razor-sharp katana and a cold-hearted personality. Whenever you see the mark of the two cross sides on his back, death is sure to follow. Because of his exceptional swordmanship, Sakaki is hired by the Nakura clan to rescue Princess Mayu from the Seiki Ninja. In this mission, he must use his full potential to survive the Seiki Ninja's notorious henchmen. So, Lewis, what did you think of Sword for Truth? What a steaming hot pile of garbage. Yeah, in it just. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I have never been more upset 
the fact that you gave me this to watch. Um, I, 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 it, the, I, I thought, I was like, I started watching it, I was like, have I got the wrong part? Have I entered this 20 minutes in? Have I, am I 30 minutes? Am I an hour in? Am I watching this in the wrong sequence? No, it's just garbage. It's just garbage, Ian. It's awful. It is. It's terrible, isn't it? It's, you know, it's, I would have to say, I mean, I have seen some garbage in my time, but I think Sword for Truth is possibly the worst anime that I've seen. Mm. I've seen hundreds and hundreds of anime. It's got no redeeming features. Some of the bad anime that I've seen, MD Geist, <laughs> it's got some decent mech designs and some decent action in it, even though it's generally terrible. New Cutie Honey, it's just boring, but the... Um, transformate the magical girl transformation scenes in it and some of the actions in it quite good but this has just got nothing there's just nothing, nothing redeemable about it <laughs> it's, it's i've never i've never seen something so awful in all of my life what, i've seen some i've seen some pretty terrible stuff <laughs> this is even worse than gazi's wing and that's you know that's saying something the thing is it's 50 minutes long and it just doesn't do very much in 50 even in 50 minutes it just doesn't seem mm. to really do anything. You know, it's got a few really bad action sequences that are kind of strung together by some threadbare plot. You spend about 80% of the film watching over watching him walk away from stuff. Yeah. Over the shoulder. Because even after 20 minutes into it, it feels like you've been watching it for an hour. It just... There's, it's no, just... there's no context. No. There's, <laughs> you... From minute one, you have not a bloody clue what's going on. Yeah. And then other people start showing up out of nowhere, and you're like, well, wait a minute. I, I, so I, you flick back, and you're like, did I miss something here? And then you're like, no, no, they're just genuinely showing up out of nowhere. And yeah. It's like he's, it's like he's playing Dungeons & Dragons, and the Dungeon Master's <laughs> just like, and then suddenly... <laughs> and then he has to fight something, and you're like, what? What's the context for this? And then... Oh. And it just doesn't end either. Mm. You know, he meets that that guy. What's his name? Maruji. And he goes, "Oh, you smell of death." And then and it just finishes. Yeah, and you know, you think, just, "Oh, he's about just, to fight him." Nothing happens. <laughs> and then, and you you get introduced to that character through him killing someone else. Yeah. And then you're like, "Oh, that could, maybe, maybe." And then it's just like, "Nope." <laughs> he's in, he's in, inconsequential. We just wanted to show you that, yeah, he would smell of death as well because he's a murderer. Like. <laughs> the, the, uh, it, you, you can call it a one-shot OVA, but you might as well call it a one-shot D&D campaign because there's no there's no substance. No. It's just get in there, grin and dirty, watch some guy kill a few interestingly designed characters with ease. There's yeah. no... It's like, you know, watch, watch me do all this funky stuff where I'm jumping from lantern to lantern because I'm an all-powerful demon. And it's always over in one slice. It's, there's never one slice of his sword. Yeah, and he's won the fight. there's no where the dagger of Kamui had like real, you know, dynamism to the fight scenes. You know, loads of movement and choreography. This isn't. This is a lot of talking and, as you say, a few swishes of a blade and then it's over. Yeah. Um, and that partly goes because it is so lazily animated. Mm. I mean, it really, really is very, very lazily animated. Yeah. The animation is terrible. The main character is so unbelievably unlikable. Yeah, he's just boring as well. It's like Geralt of Rivia had a 
had his personality removed, which is in, which is impressive because <laughs> Geralt of Rivia is a character designed to have no personality, <laughs> and it's it's just insane. It's just insane that anyone would feasibly have put this together and then put a dub for it. Yeah, it's just oh, you know, because it's. And there's bits like the beginning with the tiger. You know, that tiger's ripping people to shreds and disemboweling them and, you know, cutting limbs off and decapitating them left, right and centre. So Kaki walks through with one sort of swipe of his blade and he's killed it. Yeah. You know, and then so, he carries on walking. And, and then he just, just carries like, on oh, walking. Isn't he so cool? <laughs> no, he's not. He's a, he's a prick. <laughs> <laughs> and he, as I said, he's just boring. And all the other characters are just boring and they're uninteresting and you don't give yeah. a rat's ass about them I know and, and out of nowhere I think my favourite part of the entire movie out of nowhere when he's going to rescue the princess because he's been tasked to do so <laughs> she she's like don't worry about me and he's like I'm not going to worry about you <laughs> and then and then, and then she, there's a pause and she's like could you love me and it's like where's that come from <laughs> in what world in what world have you suddenly like asked this this lone shinobi samurai warrior or whatever out yeah. the hell he is that he if he could ever love you like what in what what egotistical brick put this together yeah and you know because of the story's so weak it's like oh we need something to make it more interesting oh let's just throw in loads of gore and sex yeah it's just, you know it's so bad it's so bad and it's just and that's all it, it just feels it feels really trashy because it feels like a proper cheap b-movie because it's like, well, we've got this really weak story, we haven't got much money, but we'll make it appealing to teenage boys by throwing in loads of sex and violence into it. And yeah. it's and then it's that sort of... It kind of feels like that sort of mindset. Yeah, but there is no plot. No. There's no plot. The Sword of Truth, you can only assume it's the... the you're like, oh, is it the sword he uses? But then there's a sword that people are after, and then that's not really resolved. No. You know, it's um, it's just generic trash, really. I'd say there's no there's no redeemable feature about it. No. Um, no. You know, and it's <laughs> it's just like the woman with the the big tattoo on her back. You know, and it's like, oh, can you oh make love to me again? And it's like, no, it'd be too dangerous for you if I do that to you again. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah, it's just like what. <laughs> I, the fact that like you're like okay this sex scene is it was really uncomfortable because you know whatever uh, and then like he gets attacked in the middle of it and you're like oh okay thank god that's moving along and then he goes out kills them both and then goes back to make love to her again it's just like why why is this part of the story <laughs> I, I felt like I was watching the anime equivalent of The Room <laughs> I was expecting Tommy Wiseau just to pop up and be like oh hi Mark out of nowhere <laughs> and then like just maybe I think I think I could do a great job of making that a lot more watchable if I was to take the entire animated film that you sent me put it into Premiere Pro and edit Tommy Wiseau's remarks into <laughs> maybe almost every scene it's just like so how's your sex life in every bloody sex scene it's just terrible it is just terrible you know as I said the characters are just are just uninteresting they're underdeveloped there's all these kind of big speeches that the characters make which have no effect on the story at all you know it's just lots of ponderous talk just to fill the the gap between some of the fight scenes which aren't really fight scenes because they're over in about 20 seconds yeah, yeah. it's just For i sure. mean it's just terrible and there's there's loads and loads of plot points which are just unresolved yeah. 
or underdeveloped. You know, it's just it's the worst. It's the worst of everything, I think. Yeah, you it know, generally is. It's terrible animation. Like the bit when they're all meant to be running into the house, and it just kind of zooms in and out. You know, sort of stutters yeah. in and out to kind of try and mimic movement. Yeah. You know, the writing's lousy because it's just because there are a really incomplete story in it. The character writing's lousy because all the characters are just uninteresting. You know, it's an, a ninja anime and it hasn't even got any decent fight scenes in it. So yeah. it's just everything's lazy about it. It's just really, it's as bad as it gets, I think. Yeah, it truly is. Uh, it's everything lacks personality, even the scenes. I think. The thing that had the most personality is the guardsman in uh, in the the fight against the the tiger. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, and and really, overall, I'm not sure. It's a shame that we had the the dubbed version. Yeah. Because that really does contribute to yeah. how bad it is. I have to say, because you know, I've made a note of that, saying that that is why I don't watch dubs. That sort of thing. It's it's yeah. just terrible. It, it, like whoever's responsible, whichever company is responsible for doing the dub and getting the voice actors on board to to, to cover that dub, I honestly want to know um, what they were thinking because all of it's just so terrible. Like the voice acting is some of the worst I've ever heard, and I've I've like it's it's pretty atypical of like that era for if dubs came across, it's just poorly lip synced, yeah. poorly communicated emotion in the in the lines and stuff like that. But there that is the worst of it all. It yeah. truly is the worst of it all. Because the US version released by Manga Entertainment actually had the uh, dub track on it, the uh, Japanese track on it rather. And mm. but after watching it, because literally I paid about four pound fifty for it in a sale, you know, it was just like, oh well, I'll, I'll get it and watch it, sort of thing. It's by Dazaki, you know. I, I like a lot of his other anime, you know, Cobra and some of that stuff. So I then watched it, and it's like, well, I'm not even going to bother buying the US version <laughs> for the Japanese <laughs> track because. I just can't bear to spend more money on tribe like that. Mm. It's, uh, yeah, it's truly the worst of its kind. You know, one of the and one of the things about this as well, which I don't think really helped at the time, because I say I've I bought this a long a long long time ago, and Professor Irony on the Anime UK News forums kind of made a point to this, which I'll come on to. But one of the things I was going to talk about was that. Mango Entertainment tried to ride Ninja Scrolls popularity um, with Sword for Truth because it's another Edo-era ninja movie. And well, on its initial US release, it was even called Ninja Scroll 2, even though it was made three years before Ninja Scroll. <laughs> uh, you know, so they used to do all that stuff. You know, they used all that publicity to do it. And, you know, what Professor Irony said... Um, and he makes a really good point here, was that it would have probably have gone largely unnoticed if not for Manga's hilariously optimistic tagline about it being the best sword fight in action since Ninja Scroll. And it's like, you couldn't make a worse comparison because Ninja Scroll's no. a fantastic film. It's a really, really, really good film, you know, and, and worthy of all the cult status that it gets. And to try and compare drivel like this, sword fight in action, well, there isn't any because... You barely see a blade move in this film, you know that that is its downfall because I think a lot of people, myself included, had quite high expectation for it, and it's like what you know what what is this you know it's just it's terrible. Um, yeah. It quite often comes across 
as you know a lot of worst OVA ever things. And for me, I you know hand on heart, I have to say it's it's the worst anime I've seen. I I don't think I've seen anything quite as bad as this. Mm. Um, you know, there's just there's nothing redeemable about it, and there's nothing that I could recommend about it. And I will probably never ever. I watched it once when I bought the DVD years and years and years ago. I watched it. I forced myself through it again twice for this review, just so I could be really certain how bad it was. Um, and I will never ever. It will sit there in my collection as a. Ah you yes. Know. I think it earns. I do think it earns the Retro Anime Podcasts Award for the worst piece of animated uh, film to be ever produced. Yeah. So far. So it sits there, right on the shelf. There it is. There we are. Uh, it's going to go unpolished. It's allowed to gather dust. It's the only shelf that's allowed to gather dust. Just that so we can look up occasionally and be like, yep, there it is. There it is. Until something comes along, God forbid, that ever, ever dethrones it. Um, it will sit nicely into the trash. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's well and truly worthy of, of that accolade. It really is. You know, it's a one out of ten for me. <laughs> it's like I can't score it. It's it's bottom of the pile. Yeah. It's absolutely bottom of the pile. Yeah. I mean, if you have to give it a, on a scale of one to ten, you have to give it a one because yeah. it's just it's it's unwatchable. Yeah. It's unwatchable unless you're going to go into it and think, ah, yeah. I mean, imagine if Tommy Wiseau was the main character, then it would be redeemable. But no, honestly, put together, it's it's gratuitous. It's made for the sake of being made. Yeah. It's horribly put together. There's nothing to forgive. The thing is, I, I struggle with how Dazaki even actually did it. And I did read, because I did notice on, and I think it was on the credits for the DVD, that it had another name. So it said Asamu Dazaki for the screenplay. And then directed mm. by another name, Dazaki. Is that his Sasamu. brother, older brother? No, no, it was directed by him, but he it was almost like he was, he couldn't even put his name to directing it. <laughs> I mean yeah. that's what it feels like and I've you know I've read in doing research for the podcast I've read a couple of articles that kind of indicated that it, that's what it feels like it was just like I can't even a name against it it's a really odd name um, but Dazaki he's done such good anime you know Tomorrow's Joe Space Adventure Cobra you know he's a really 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 good film He did. he's done some really good Loop in the Third specials as well you know he's yeah. a really prolific director and I mean what whether he was bored, he needed the money, I don't know. But to put his name and go and turn out something as bad as this from when he's done stuff that's so good is, um, yeah, I, I find it quite incredible. Wait, his older brother is the director for uh, Grey Digital Target. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so uh, they're both like fairly... I think his, his brother's still alive, but he's uh, he died a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, and Grey, you know, it had its problems... We, we thought it was okay but it's you know both of them really have done some very very prolific you know well-renowned anime um it's an odd one to um to turn out this kind of drivel it really is yeah yeah it's really probably it is his greatest regret i'm yeah. sure <laughs> so yeah people out there you know we watch this stuff so you don't have to sometimes so uh, <laughs> if, if you you know, if you've really, really got nothing to do and you really want to punish yourself, then watch Sword for Truth, dubbed. Yeah. Dubbed, God. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you want to do it, um, do the drinking game. I'm sure you can make a bit of crack out of it with your friends. <laughs> um, do the Sword for Truth drinking game where you 
just don't stop drinking throughout the entire thing. <laughs> yeah, and that might make it out. more bearable, yeah. Well, you'll black out and you'll forget that you watched it and you'll be like, oh, thank God. Because <laughs> you want that white through memory. Thank There's... God it's only 50 minutes. Yeah, and it's the biggest pile of dribble I've ever seen. <laughs> right, well, on that note, that wraps up our reviews for uh, this episode. So what are we going to look at next time? We're going to review a couple of dragon-themed anime. Uh, we're we're going to review Dragon Slayer, The Legend of Heroes, and Dragon Half. So something a bit different there. Mm. Right, where to find us? You can find us on Twitter, at RetroAnime. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, Podomatic, Stitcher, and iTunes by searching for Retro Anime Podcast. Please like, subscribe, leave us a review, all that good stuff. It all really, really helps the podcast. So if you could do that, then then please do that. Uh, we have a website, which you can find at RetroAnimePodcast.com. You can email me, Ian, at RetroAnimePodcast.com. And I'm also quite active on the Anime UK News Forums. My username is Organ. So that brings us to the end. Mm, Interesting one, that, Lewis. The good and the bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel we had a good structure to the first one, and the second one we just threw it at the wall. You held it back, and I was just beating its stomach, working the lower body until it fell to its knees. There wasn't really a. a there's not much to um, to review about it apart from just calling it trash. Yeah. So. And why? If you don't trash, believe yeah. us, yeah, and why it's trash? Or just if you don't believe us, see for yourselves, and then regret every minute of your life yeah. doing so rue those 50 minutes that you threw away that you'll never yeah, get you'll back you'll never get back you'll never get them back <laughs> great stuff alright Lewis take it easy I'll see you next time see you next time bye everybody bye